Today's class, Christmas Eve, last class of the year. Um, I have Joshna Ben here with us today and her two sons, Rishi and Shan. They weren't able to come last time, so they've come today. So we have a full house here. We're covering this is class 94. Yoga, yoga of meditation. Yogi unites with Brahman. That's the topic, topic six, verses 40 to 47. So, in verse 40, previous topic, 33 to 39, in verse 40 we covered, Arjuna is asking Krishna, if I don't reach the spiritual goal, what will happen to me? I'll be lost. I won't be enjoying the world materially, sensually, neither will I have become self-realized. What will become of me? What will happen to me? I'm neither in the world or I'm neither reach my spiritual goal. I'd have wasted my life, lost. Then Lord Krishna answers in verse 40, one who follows the righteous path of spiritual development, of seeking the self, even if he doesn't reach the ultimate goal in this lifetime of self-realization, the result of him walking on that path, he will enjoy peace of mind and prosperity. In this life, while you're pursuing the spiritual path, you will enjoy peace of mind and prosperity. But more importantly, it carries on to your next life. No sorrow doesn't suffer from any grief in this life. So if we look in the world today, we look at the world, what is everyone's motivation in life? What is everyone's motivation in life? Money. Money, what else? Whichever country, whatever class, rich, poor, what's everyone's motivation? Yeah, Damesh? Self-happiness. Happiness? How? What is, what, what drives them? Name, fame. Mm, yeah. Acquisition and enjoyment. Two motivations. They may try to get that from what Dharma said, name, fame, etc. But the two motivations are, I want to acquire and I want to enjoy. Is that correct? You acquire whatever you desire and then you enjoy it. Those are the motivations. And this is what we're doing from the time we are born, teenager, until we die. Acquisition and enjoyment. I'm saving for what? Holiday. Saving for car. Buy a new car, then you enjoy driving it. Acquisition, enjoyment. Book a nice holiday, you go and experience and enjoy the holiday. Acquisition enjoyment. Now, we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. This world is there to be enjoyed. We don't say be a hermit, don't enjoy. It is there to be enjoyed. But at the same time, you have to also understand what life is about. 
the purpose of being born, this superior species that we are as a human being. We are a superior species, aren't we? What is that purpose? Why are we born in this, as this species, superior species? We dominate the world. Why we're we born is that? And there is more than just acquiring and enjoying. Most people have no other purpose in life. That's it. Look at my size of my house, this car I'm driving, my bank balance. This is all they're interested in. And it's not their fault because they don't know about any other purpose. So they're saying, find out what is our purpose. In fact, some people spend so much time just working to acquire more and more, more money, more property, more power. And they already have so much, millions. But they spend all their time trying to acquire. Then some health condition, heart attack, stroke, they become incapacitated, they die. And on their deathbed, they realize the mistake they made. They didn't spend any time enjoying. It's too late then. You follow, everyone? Get so involved in acquiring, you forget even to enjoy. 65, yes, once I get this many millions, then I'll enjoy. What? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to be 60 in a couple of months. I maybe have 20 years left. Do I carry on trying to earn more and more money? Or do I evaluate how much do I have, how much I need, and decide what course of action to take? Doesn't mean I stop working. Work you should do until the day you cannot work. But don't let the motivation of wealth drive you. This is karma yoga. You're working for work sakes. The reward is the work itself. So no one thinks about beyond this life. What happens after I die? Can I take my wealth with me? Peace. What will happen? No one sits to think. What can I take with me? All I'm acquiring, what am I going to take? person cannot take with him anything they acquire materially in life. No property, no bank balance, no gold, no diamonds, not even any person. Only one thing they can take with them. What can they take with them? Yeah, Vanita? The knowledge they acquire that turns into wisdom that they can take in the next life. Only the knowledge you have acquired in this lifetime. Knowledge you gain in this present life. Anything else you can take? You can't even take your body with you. Dharmesh? You take the remainder of your desires, isn't it? Remainder of your desires, absolutely. Good or bad, remember that. You take your vasanas with you. But because of our lack of understanding, we continue to focus and put 100% effort on the non-essentials in life. You think more about the non-essentials in life. Everything that we're going to leave behind. This is our world. That's what we think about in the world all the time. Everything we're not going to take with us. And no effort on what we can take with us to help us develop in the next life. Silly. Before you were ignorant, now you know. You no know excuses now. <laughs> That's why I say ignorance is bliss. This is where that term comes from. Ignorance is bliss. When you don't know, it's okay. It's not your fault. <laughs> but when you do know, 
then you're responsible, isn't it? So this is what we should be concentrating, not on the non-essentials, but on the essentials. So a person who understands what the Lord is saying in these few verses, understand that they are wasting their time by following a non-spiritual path. When you come to understand, you're wasting your time. Before, when you were ignorant, you acquired and enjoyed. You didn't know any better. Now it pricks your conscience. What am I doing? You're responsible now. The Lord has furnished you with this knowledge. You're responsible. It pricks your conscience. No excuse. I'm sorry. No excuse now. I must not do this. I must not do that. Why did I get angry at him? Start looking at yourself rather than others to blame. Anything that happens, it's your fault. Remember that. Any disruptions, any arguments, it's your fault. Not the other person's fault. You have to take responsibility. So Arjuna, don't worry. To answer your question, what will happen if you die before you reach the goal of self-realization? In the next six verses, the Lord explains in more detail what happens if you die while on the spiritual path, having gained this knowledge. What happens in your next life? These few verses, if you understand, they're so poignant. It can change your life. The trajectory of your life can change if you understand these few verses. Any questions? Okay, you're ready to know what, what happens? You want to live a good, positive life yet now? Okay. Verse 41. <laughs> Yoga brasto bijayate prapya punyakritam lokan usit vasas pati samaha suchinam trimatam gehi yoga brasto bijayate having attained to the worlds of the righteous and having dwelt there for eternal years he who has fallen from yoga is born in the home of the pure and wealthy. Having attained to the worlds of the righteous and having dwelt there for eternal years, he who has fallen from yoga is born in the home of the pure and wealthy. Fallen from yoga, it means, what does that mean? Fallen from yoga. Just so we know what we're talking about. Fallen from yoga, were you saying something? Fallen from yoga. It's someone that's already on the path. Yeah. So you, you're fallen from yoga, so you ended and your journey still continued. Absolutely right, Ravi. You didn't reach your goal. So he's fallen from the path of yoga. He's died, he's passed away. For whatever reason, he's not reached his goal. Runabin, uh, paragraph one, please. It's Ravi reading first. Sorry, Ravi. Yeah. A person who has led a righteous life but has not attained self-realization enjoys its heavenly benefits for eternal years. The verse uses the word eternal in a relative, not absolute sense. A day in a mythological heaven is said to be several million times longer than a day in this world. Therefore, the enjoyment in heaven accrued from righteous living seems eternal. But at the end of those everlasting years of enjoyment, having fallen short of union with the self, that person reverts to the cycle of birth and death. Thank you. So a person in this lifetime on the spiritual path who has performed good karmas, actions, enjoying the spiritual path, if they don't reach that goal, they will enjoy a peaceful life here and now, 
As we discussed, enjoy this life by gaining this knowledge, and the result is you are peaceful and content, no grief and sorrow, which we discussed. But when you pass away, you're born in an environment that is pure and wealthy. An environment that is pure and wealthy. So, walking on the spiritual path, not only it results in you having a good life now, yeah, no agitations, free from suffering, sorrow, grief. But in the next life, you're born in an environment, a family of pure and wealth. Ravi, I got you. This verse indicates the type of environment into which he will reincarnate. The path of righteousness that he had pursued in the previous life will direct his birth into pure and prosperous home. Pure, sukhi, signifies purity of the heart. A pure mind radiates peace and harmony. It is free from all mental agitations and sorrow. Such will be the environment into which he is born. Prosperous, Sriman, signifies material well-being. He will have enough wealth to accommodate all his physical and material needs. The material actions of his past lives will have earned him the superlative state of material prosperity and mental peace. So this is exactly what we're saying. You're born in a family of pure and wealth to enjoy peace and prosperity. This is what happens next lifetime. Born in a family where there is love, harmony, rather than suffering, agitations. A family where there will be enough wealth to fulfill your material desires. It's very rare to be born in such a family, in such an environment. This is what it's saying. And if you are born in such an environment where you're not struggling to make ends meet and you're peaceful and calm, what happens if you're born in that environment? What happens? Yeah, Tamish. You look for other things in your life or you start questioning other things in life. Yeah. Because you have time. You're not worried about, am I going to pay the bill? You start asking the question, why am I here? But you already know. Benita, fallen short of yoga in the previous life. You're born in an inducive environment which allows you to grow further from yes. what you left off last time. That's right. You're born in this environment, so you don't have to struggle every day for food, water, peace of mind, and you can continue your path of development, self-development. It's a conducive environment. You can continue, because you've left, taking your vasanas with you for spiritual development. You've fallen short in the last life. You're born in an environment that you can continue that. Isn't that what we all want? You may not make it in this lifetime. And some of you may be worrying, like Arjuna. But the Lord here clarifies, don't worry. You'll continue next life. We'll make it possible. Just heaven. For you to continue. Don't worry. Just be a good human being in this lifetime. Any questions? Does everyone understand, yeah? Okay. Ravi? Rarely indeed does one enjoy both prosperity and peace. People all over the world enjoy either one or the other. The wealthy lack peace of mind, replete with worries and anxieties. They suffer from great stress and strain. Whereas others enjoying relative peace within commonly lack material prosperity. Therefore, to enjoy material wealth as well as mental peace is a privilege of the rare few who deserve it. 
by virtue of their righteous deeds of the past. So if you look around, people are peaceful, people who are peaceful, they don't have much wealth. They're content with whatever little they have. You go to some of the villages, you know, in South America, Africa, India, people are relatively peaceful. They may have to walk miles for water. They have hardly any food, maybe one meal a day, but they're peaceful. They're not moaning. They're peaceful. They're struggling to make ends meet, but whatever they gain, they are happy with. Then there are people with wealth. They have a lot of money, property, power, but they don't have any peace. Always looking over their shoulders, constantly agitated. Looking around, who's going to take their power or wealth away from them? Isn't it? They don't even trust their own children, partner. What kind of life is that? Constantly agitated, cannot sleep at night. What's the point? So people who don't have wealth, they're peaceful. People who have wealth, they're agitated. You're born. Now, think about the environment you're all born in. We're all born in. Take pause. Think about it. To enjoy material wealth as well as mental peace is a privilege of the rare few who deserve it by virtue of their righteous deeds of the past. Where are you all? Where are we all? Which category do you fall in? Anita, what category do you all fall in? We're on the righteous path. <laughs> so we're going somewhere. <laughs> she's peaceful and she's wealthy. Well, I don't know. Yeah. And she's gaining knowledge. <laughs> when is enough enough? Anita, you heard that one, haven't you? I'm, I'm, I'm okay where I am, I think. What, no, laughing aside. All of us, if you think about where we are, we're all peaceful and materially well off. We all have a roof over our head, water coming from the tap to drink, shopping, you can buy anything you want from the shop, supermarket, fruits from all over the world, whatever you fancy, season or no season, car to drive everywhere. What haven't we got? It's really important that we understand this. What haven't we got? Do you see how fortunate we are? We don't realize it. You, we are all born in an environment that is peaceful and prosperous. Even if we don't have enough money, the government supports us in this country. Not only that, we have a vastness for gaining spiritual knowledge. We all have a vastness for spiritual knowledge. And you have a source to gain this knowledge. I'm not talking about these classes. You can also read books, go on YouTube, learn about spiritual development from other places. You have a source. So not only are you peaceful, materially well-off, you have a vasana for self-development, spiritual development, and you have a source for it. What more do we want? Do you want to be wealthy and have all the agitations? Knowledge is available to us so easily. People have to walk all the way up to the Himalayas, find a guru and then spend time with him to gain this knowledge. Now you can make a cup of tea, turn on YouTube. Okay, this Swami, I heard about him. Let me listen to him. But forget about Himalayas. 
Can you imagine what karma we must have done in the past to be in this position? This is what this verse is talking about. Can you imagine what karma we must have all done to be born in this environment? But we don't realize. So Lord is reminding you which category you fall in. So you're born in an environment to continue development on the spiritual path. So this is Christmas present to you all. Realize how fortunate we are. And this is what we can take with us to the next life. Any clarifications? Rishi, Sean? Yeah. Rishi um, yeah. has a question. I was going to ask then, I guess, for people who are, um, I guess, born into like a, a peaceful and wealthy, like a family or, sorry, like environment, is it the idea that it's that it's maintained? So let's say, for example, someone, for, let's say there's a, like a natural disaster where, where we all are. Mm-hmm. And now we've got those man- mental meditations that kind of take us back. Mm-hmm. Is it always the case of uh, if you start on the path that, you know, it tends towards going towards like uh, self-realization mm-hmm. and there's no, there's no fall, fall offs. Like, let's say we make a, we make a mess of it in this lifetime. Next lifetime, we'll start back all over again. Does everyone, does everyone hear that question? Where we make a mess of it in this life. He, Lord is very uh, forgiving. He gives us another opportunity. Long as you're sincere, yeah, a natural disaster happens. It's not our fault. We've been sincere. We've been following the path, doing good karma, good actions. It's okay. We'll give, we're given more opportunities because that is your vastness. Your vastness haven't changed. Remember last week I said, we see this as one lifetime. We must have had a hundred lifetimes before this and we may have how many lifetimes after this. So all those previous lifetimes, if we've been doing good karma, this is why we're here now in this environment, in this conducive environment, where you have peace, prosperity, and you're gaining knowledge and you have a vasana for knowledge. That's what I meant by what karma you must have done in the past. You have this opportunity. Most people are not in that category. You have to think about it. Is that okay? Yeah. The other thing I would say is, are we? <laughs> I feel like before it was like you're saying, go up to the Himalayas, and you, you'd have to do that to get that knowledge. I feel like now we're in an overwhelming amount of information. That I guess the. The challenge has changed from <clears throat> getting to the information to deciding what information you actually want. Mm. And uh, I guess there's the, that's what I find a bit harder mm. nowadays. So, which, so we have too much information now, too much knowledge. Which direction do we go? Whichever resonates with you. Whichever resonates with you and helps you become a better human being. And that you can apply it. Someone may give really high knowledge, you know, but if you can't understand it and you can't apply it, what's the point? So whatever level you understand, whichever um, guru you can identify with and you can apply the knowledge you gain from that person, that's what you follow. Because all the knowledge is actually the same. It's given out in different ways, you know. For Gujarati-speaking people, Murari Bapu talks in Gujarati. I don't understand Gujarati. I can't understand what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, so it's no point me going to all his classes and lectures and everything because I can't apply any of it. You know, similarly, so you have to listen to someone who resonates with you. 
Yeah, Ravi. I think what Rishi was saying, I, I mean, to be honest, for us to be here today, most of us have gone down different knowledge paths and then found, like, as you said, I find it's comfortable because I can relate to it. It's not religion-led, it's more knowledge-led. But we've all, I could say most of the group here have gone into the Hare Krishna, seen how that resonates, mm. seen other gurus follow. So we have gone through that knowledge decipherment to come to this class to be sure. here. So, yeah, it, it, you're right. There is a lot of information out there is what sits comfortable. Yeah, Rishi is half our age. That's why he's questioning, you see. <laughs> so this is, no, it's a very good question, actually. Who do I listen to? You know, there's so many, you know, you put uh, Swamiji, Swami in the YouTube. There'll be a thousand Swamis. Who do you listen to? Yeah, Vanita? I think if you're truly wholeheartedly on a path, the path will lead you to the correct knowledge because mm. that is where you're heading. You may go through, uh, you might go through different paths and then you'll feel something that resonates with you. It doesn't matter what age you are or what you understand. Some people, like you said, if you if you listen to Bhajan and that's, you could take the path with that and it'll still lead you there. Yeah. It doesn't have to be knowledge. It just be the, the something that is, like you said, in an inducive environment, regardless of your age, where you live, who you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone's path is very different and everyone's on a different level. You've got to remember. One, one, you know, um, one person, one knowledge will not fit everyone. One form of knowledge. Because everyone's at a different level. Everyone's vastness are different. What's right for you may be different for your partner. So whatever resonates with you, whatever you can apply in your life, which results in you being a better, more better human being, more unselfish, that's the path you follow. Initially. And you may need to change your guru after a while because he can't take you any further. And you may have to find someone else. Yeah, Vanita. I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because they invest so much time and effort into something and then when they come to a point think why am I not growing because they don't realize that they can change and that's yeah. what is the difficult decision yeah. to make isn't it a self-realized soul will take you to self-realization yeah so this is the difference teacher teaching you, like the Upanishads, everything is, everyone in there is self-realized, talking about their experience. But we can't, at that level, we can't understand. It's cryptic. You see? So until you get to a level where you understand that, this is what you need to do. So be proactive. Be objective. Just because you found one guru, don't be attached to that person. I can only I in this class can only give you a certain amount of knowledge. After that, you will have to you will you could bypass me, and uh, you need someone else. It's your path, your goal. You decide, and when you do, a guru will be available to you. It's the law. Guru will be available to you. You don't worry. Any other clarifications? Yeah, so. There's an aspect, is it? I mean, a question did come to mind, and then when she asked, I suppose, because the previous verse, um, Lord Krishna saying that, you know, verily whoever has this knowledge doesn't come to harm. So, you know, therefore, life is full of ups and downs. Nobody has a plain sailing life, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the levels of ups and downs are different for everyone because we've all got to um, go through our karma from previous lifetimes or whatever. 
And those are so complex, right? So one can say that I've led a really good spiritual life and tried to be a good human being, but actually one of the worst things that I could have imagined has happened to me. So one can question then, well, I'm on the spiritual path. Why did that happen? If the Lord himself is saying, you won't come to harm, my question is, why did I come to harm? Anybody? Anything? It's not about coming to harm. It's probably your past karma that you have to deal with, I suppose, in one aspect. And the other aspect is also that realisation of that event that's happened that's led you to where you are today. So I suppose you could look at it both ways. You could look at it that it's a bad thing that's happened and I had to go through it, but you've come back stronger and now you're on that path where you've overcome that. So... I think I would see it both ways. So harm is relative. Harm is relative. Whatever harm happened to you, you felt whatever you felt, yeah? And whatever it is. Other people have different forms of punishment or some different forms of experience they can call harm, okay? But that is your resultant vasanas, your karma. It's something you have to deal with. Everyone has to deal with. Because in our past lives, we don't know what we did, when we did it. Yeah. So you could look at it and say, okay, I did something in the past and I've had to experience this. But now I have this knowledge. I will always live a righteous life. I won't harm anybody. I'll do good karma. Yeah, I'll be unselfish. So this doesn't happen to me again. I suppose my question stems from, if we're thinking about World War two yeah when we were watching that program and how many millions mm. of jews were killed in the most awful way and before they died they went through so much pain and suffering mm. so you know you can't say that that many people had they had a privileged life before mm before Hitler decided to do what he wanted to do, they were well off. Mm. We, we can't say they weren't spiritual. They were spiritual. Mm. So that relative suffering, not mm. only were you suffering, your child was suffering, your wife was suffering, your parents were suffering, your whole mm. family, your whole community, your whole generation, generation your whole everyone around you was suffering. You know, I'm talking about times like that. I'm not talking about just the individual self. So when we're thinking about relative unhappiness, they had the privileged upbringing. They were probably sattvic, but they went through the most awful thing. Well, you see, it's difficult for us to um, understand why they went through that. But you have to, the law of karma works meticulously. Yeah. We don't know what they've done in their past lives. Okay. Yeah. We don't know. Um, and um, how sattvic they were, we don't have no, no idea of that. You know, you can sit on a plane today and a plane can crash. All those people die on that plane. Um, these things are happening. We don't have an explanation of why these things happen, but we know that karma works meticulously. Yeah. And anyway, what difference does it make? It's a small, this life that you pass away, you're going to be born again in your next life and you will continue. Why are we attached to this life? Why are we attached to this life? It's our attachment to this life, isn't it? You're not this body mindset, you're the self. So if you understand that, what grief are we talking about? What grief are we talking about? Next life might be, you know, the next verse says you're born in a home of yogis. Next life might be a, a birth in a, where you're born in, in front of two parents are yogis. Thank God I died in that plane crash. Look where I'm born now. <laughs> That's the attitude that we should be having. You see? Yeah? Why are we attached to this life? This is what it boils down to, isn't it? Attachment. Just not in. 
ultimately that's what it boils down to. Benita. I actually uh, understand what Sithal is saying because when I first started this class, I asked that question to you and myself many, many times. And through COVID, obviously, life changed for a lot of people. But I think if you think about it, everyone's on a different path because you're worried about everybody else. We are in, a, we're living in an illusion. It's not real, all the things that are happening. You have to accept that part of it to understand mm. that because you're in a, living in a narrative, it doesn't mean you need to, it's almost selfish to say, but you're not worried, you don't need to worry about what's going on around you realistically, mm. because it's not real. But it's hard to accept that part. Yeah, because of our attachments. You know, and that's self-inflicted. Attachment self-inflicted. We create those attachments. And that's why we suffer. Don't even be attached to this body. It's going to be gone. You can't take that way with you. Why are you attached to your wealth? You can't take that with you. These diamonds, you know, I'll store them somewhere. Maybe they can come with me in the next life. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> so why are we worried? Only this knowledge or any knowledge you gain will come with you. This is what Lord Krishna is saying. Don't waste time on the non-essentials. And we can say that to this class because all of us are privileged. Yeah, we've had a death in the family, we've had this issue, that issue, but we are privileged. Remember that. And if you don't, you'll be struggling in your life. Wish I had this, I wish I had that, and your life will pass. You are privileged from today. Live that way. I am privileged. Issues will always happen. Problems will always occur. But how you deal with it matters. And when you deal with it in a proper way, it makes you stronger. Sometimes these things are there. Look, most of you know, at 40, I had a heart attack. Doctor said, tonight, you've got a 50-50 chance of surviving. Out of the blue. Best thing that ever happened to me. Some, oh, he had a heart attack. I'm saying, that's the best thing that ever happened to you. What are you talking about? <laughs> and that's the honest truth. So negative things happen for sometimes positive reasons. But we're not able to understand that. Okay. It's all right? Verse 42. Atava yogina meva kule bhavati di matam etadi durlabhataram loke janmaya didrasam Atava yogina meva kule bhavati di matam etadi durlabhataram Loke janmaya didrasam. Or he is born into a family of wise yogis only. Verily, a birth such as this is very difficult to obtain in this world. Or he is born into a family of wise yogis only. Verily, a birth such as this is very difficult to obtain in this world. Promotion. Death in this life could mean a promotion. <laughs> the verse begins with atwa or indicating another environment into which a righteous person may reincarnate. The preceding verse stated that a spiritual practitioner having fallen short of self-realization, will be born into a pure and prosperous family. If not, he will reincarnate into a family of wise yogis, which indeed is extremely difficult to achieve. 
the type of actions executed in the past determines one's mode of reincarnation. Please continue until the third action. Human activities fall under three broad classifications depending upon the action's motivation. Number one, actions performed with selfish, egocentric desires. Number two, actions performed with unselfish desires. Number three, actions performed without desires. So previous first said, if you don't reach self-realization in this lifetime, then you'll be born in a peaceful, prosperous environment, yeah? Or a person will be born in a family of wise yogis. This is a very rare birth. <clears throat> born in a family of wise yogis. A very rare birth. Why is it very rare? Can anyone explain why is it very rare to be born in a family of wise yogis? Why is it so rare? You've got a probability wise, you need to come into one, you need to come to one person at least who's a yogi, who's, and then the partner, or it's also becomes a yogi, or in that case, both of them are yeah. yogis from the get go, which is, I don't know, very, very, very rare in any case. Very rare. So, why is it rare? Tarash? As you said, before it's very hard to, to meet one person or a couple of people who are on the path to meet mm. seven people like I, I'm, I'm thinking of for myself here and like I see my dad I see my mom I see my uncles my aunts who are religious in different senses yeah different paths but you know they shape my life into asking questions mm. so you're halfway there why why is it rare? Sorry, Deepan. Oh, I think well, you have you yourself have to be, or that soul has to be at a certain point in their journey to be then be born into a family of yogis. See, most people they don't pursue the path of self-realization or spiritual path. How many people do you know? Or walking on a spiritual path. It's a very rare thing. So to be born in an environment where both your parents are yogis, how rare can that be? Especially nowadays in Kaliyuk time. It's so rare. So how can you how can you be born in this sort of environment? It depends on your actions in this lifetime. And there's three, three types of action given here. First one, actions performed with selfish, egocentric desires. Second one, actions performed with unselfish desires. And the third one, actions performed without desires, which needs a bit more explanation. The first two you'll understand, selfish and egocentric desires. The second one is unselfish desires. Is everyone clear of that? Those three types of actions. We all perform those kind of actions in our life. Everybody does. Arunabhan, could you read the first paragraph there? An individual of the first category acts merely to fulfill his egocentric desires. He works selfishly for his personal comforts and pleasures. All through life, he takes from society without a thought of giving anything in return. He has no ideal or higher goal in life. Such a life of selfish acquisition and aggrandizement deprives him of any kind of earthly reward. Subject to the law of karma, the law of cause and effect, he will be born into an environment devoid of peace and prosperity. So this is the worst kind of action. What is it in what is it in for me? What's in it for me? If I do this, what's in it for me? All actions 
that we do where we are thinking about me, myself, and I. If I don't get anything, then no way. Why should I bother? Just thinking of yourself and nobody else. This person takes and takes throughout their life without giving anything back in return. We all know someone like that. It's not rare. This person who behaves in this way, based on his karma, cause and effect, will be born in an environment where there is no peace, no prosperity, meaning they will be struggling in their next life. They'll have a hard life next time. Everyone clear on that? Next life, they'll be struggling. Selfish person. Next paragraph. In the second category, a person pursuing the spiritual path works without selfish, egocentric desires. He visualizes an ideal to benefit his community, society, or humanity at large. He strives and struggles for the happiness of others. His benign actions will have already contributed much more to society than what he has drawn from it. His meritorious deeds earn him a home of peace and prosperity in his next life, as stated in the preceding verse. So, actions performed with unselfish desires. A person on the spiritual path, helping others. I want to help others. He'll be born in an environment of peace and prosperity. Ravi, could you share that? You've all seen this before. This diagram. Uh, sorry, it wasn't that one. Apologies, it's my fault. You've seen this uh, uh, diagram, Ravi, take that one off. I accidentally sent you the wrong one. Where in the center, it's yourself. You only care about yourself. Next circle is your family. You care about yourself and your family. My partner, my children. Then the next circle or level of unselfishness, your neighbors. My neighbor is elderly, let me help her. Your community, your unselfishness goes towards your community, but that's your limit. Your country, everyone in the UK, I identify with, I'm happy to help. Then there's all humanity. You care about the whole humanity, animals, All human beings. You remember this circle, yes? But these are the different levels of unselfishness. So see where you are. You can expand on it. Nobody may need your help, but it's the actual attitude that you have that matters. If you act in this way in this lifetime, this person is born in a family as described in the previous verse, family of peace and prosperity. Everyone clear in that one? Yeah? Last paragraph. This verse refers to people engaged in the third category of action that performs selflessly without any kind of desire prompting it, work carried out in a sense of perfect detachment. A seeker acting thus in a spirit of renunciation and then meditating upon the self may still fail to attain the supreme enlightenment in his lifetime. However, in his next birth, he will find a wise family whose members are themselves engaged in the pursuit of God. No environment could be more conducive for one seeking to attain self-realization. 
So the third type of action is actions performed without desires. Selfless actions. We can't even understand this form of action. Never mind, uh, apply it. Doing what you ought to do. No ifs and buts. Highest form of action. Selfless action. Doing what you ought to do without desires. No motives to the action. This is very rare because most people fall into the first two categories. Selfish and unselfish. You will never hardly meet someone in this third category. Can you not go back to from the first action when you're, let's say, day four, and then you get enough material gains and so now you're in a state where you can then help other people, and then you can elevate yourself even further with that desire? Can you not go through all three? You can. You can. Okay. So we don't all have to fall into these categories. We can. So this is the categories of human beings that fall into and how they act based on their karma, cause and effect from their past lives, they fall in these categories, these three categories. So how their development is, if- Based on this life. Based in this life right now. But it's based, This these actions are based on their previous lives, how they've been. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. The reason why they're selfish is because they have been selfish all the time. They haven't reached the next level. They have no understanding what being unselfish is. Why are you giving it away? Why are you giving it to somebody else? It's yours. No, they, they can't think in that way. Let me help others. I'm all right. Forget everyone else. It's not my problem. Selfish people thinking that way. Maybe you've not met anyone like that. <laughs> Trust me, there are characters like that. I think I've got the diagram if you want to share it, if you want to have yeah, a look please. at it. I think this is the one. Is this the one? Yeah, there you go. Oneself, that's number one category. Actions performed with selfish, egocentric desires. Then actions performed with unselfish desires. Now, the levels of unselfishness could fall into just your family. You're thinking of your family or your community, your humanity or beings. So these are the different levels of unselfishness that a person falls into. And then actions performed without desires, the third category just doing what you ought to do without any motivations because you're so highly developed you don't have to thank you Ravi so most will fall into the first two categories the third category this is category Selfless, born in a family of wise yogis. And in this environment, they can pursue their path to self-realization more easily. It's an environment where the family is dedicated to spiritual development. So you're born in that kind of a family. So you can continue. So based on your actions in this lifetime, the law of cause and effect, karma, propels you born in an environment conducive to your vastness. Vastness of self-realization, you're born in a home of wise yogis. That's how you become born in that category. Any clarifications? Yeah, I don't know. Just a question. The fact that we have, if you're born in a family where you are, have the means like now presently them you know both your parents have been spiritual or you know been on that path would you consider that as being born in a family of yogis then or are we talking about a more advanced level more advanced level yeah okay the fact is that because our families are religious yes let's say all our families are religious yeah that has helped us to be on the religious path but 
getting an education, being educated. Our parents are maybe not be educated as we are, in, you know, being educated. You're able to be objective and take it one step further. My parents are following this path. I can't understand this path that they're following. It's a good path and it, they're, they're good human beings, but I can't relate to it. I need to find something that I can relate to. You're being objective. But if your parents weren't that way inclined, you wouldn't even have this um, objectivity. Your parents were in the first category, selfish. Forget about spiritual development. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even be unselfish. You think it's okay to be selfish. The fact that our parents are religious or good people following a path of righteousness, it's an environment for us to think and choose our path to continue that level. Do you understand? Yeah. But your path may not be that I want to become self-realized. You just want to be a better human being. Does, does, that, does that clarify? I don't know. It's about the same thing. See, I was wondering whether yogis meaning, you know, those who are able to go and actually perhaps there'll be a time, you know, with a kind of, you know, a, 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 maybe not this lifetime or some lifetime when you actually want to withdraw from life, like, you know, as we live it now and want to just become a yogi. Is that the kind mm -hmm. of, is that what we're talking about? That advance? Yes. Or just so, living like how we are, but still following the spiritual path. What's your goal? And is that the environment? Whatever your goal is, and yeah. you're putting effort into that goal, it becomes your vasna. If that vasna is strong enough, and it's the strongest goal in your life from now onwards, and you don't care about anything else, you've read these verses, you're wasting your time on the non-essentials, that's it. I only want to spend my time with, on the essentials gaining knowledge, spiritually develop, and reach the goal of self-realization. You'll be born in a family of yogis. Yeah, but what does that family of yogi look like? What is a yogi? A person who's pursuing a path to self-realization. You're born in, a, born in an environment of yogis, meaning they're also pursuing the path to self-realization. And you're born to that family. Now, let's say you're right now born in a family of religious people. Yeah? Spiritual. Religious. This has determined your life now. You're gaining this knowledge. As you pursue it, and you pass away without gaining self-realization, next lifetime, if your vasana is strong enough, you'll be born in a family where both your parents are also pursuing the spiritual path. Advanced than you they're older than you so what would your life be under them so not necessarily following spiritual path but following a path of self-realization yes right because that's the ultimate goal no? yeah yeah that's the ultimate goal is that does that clarify yeah damish what i would say just imagine if you were born where they said school is not important, but finding yourself is. And they sent you to, you know, ashrams and stuff at an age of three or age of two. So you're not wasting your time learning about non-essential stuff, how to gain. Hmm. I, I think that's what, what you mean as... An environment that is conducive to you becoming self-realized. Now, is it, it, could, it could be your parents, wise yogis. It could be that you are sent to an environment that you can pursue your path, whatever it is, you'll be under the influence of people who are also trying to reach that goal of self-realization. Yeah. So that was, this is what they're saying. If you act in this way, this is what will happen. Your karma. That should give us some sort of understanding some sort of strength and the ability
to think now that I know what do I want to do? The ball's in your court now. The ball's in our court. Dibhavan. The ball's in our court now. Lord Krishna has spoken. Up to you. And as he says to Arjuna at the end, I've told you everything I know. Now, Arjuna, it's up to you. You want to fight? Fight. If you don't want to fight, don't. This is how Lord works. Gives us the information, but leaves the freedom of thinking to us and to decide. It's not that if you don't, you will be in hell. <laughs> doesn't say that. You will suffer. You know how hot it is down there? Devil will have a spike poking you every day. No, it doesn't say that. This is what will happen. It's up to you. You decide. Because who's going to suffer? You. Okay, we'll stop there. Enough shot for everyone. <laughs> so, we, we have to take responsibility. Now that we're not ignorant, we have to take responsibility. This is what it is. You know, or you can keep carrying on with your life with your with the blindfold on. It's entirely up to you. Okay, any other clarifications before we finish today's class? Good. No class next week. Christmas Eve. I mean, New Year's Eve. Um, but we'll resume in the new year. And I think two more classes and we'll finish this chapter. Well, Merry Christmas to everyone. <laughs>